morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us talking, get us imagining, get us out doing something, because we want to make the connection. And we feel inspired or challenged to do a bit more because we made that connection. So this week, we're talking about a very cool idea, and it's called the Lunar Startups. And we have folks that are running the program and a recipient of the program as well. We have Danielle Steer, who is the managing director, Jeff Aggie, who is the program manager, and Caroline Karanja, who is the CEO of 26 Letters. And I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about Lunar Startups. And we'll start with Danielle Steer. <laughs> Thanks so much. So Lunar Startups is a new model for incubating high-growth startups, specifically led by women and people of color. We're looking at what are the what's the secret sauce that helps entrepreneurs and startups really grow and build their businesses, and how can we do that better for entrepreneurs that might have uh, or experience opportunity gaps in the broader ecosystem. So we're really about supporting entrepreneurs with social capital, with curriculum, and with a network of people that want to help engineer their success. And Jeff, as the program manager, what does that mean? Uh, my role as program manager, I, I enjoy it very much. So I want to say that first uh, <laughs> is to <laughs> is to curate programming for the cohort company. So um, putting together our lunch and learns and the experts that we bring in to do workshops and lunch and learns, as well as one on one coaching with uh, our cohort founders who are already really talented. And so our one on ones um, look more like, hey, let's work together and um, bring out just how brilliant that you are to the public. So what I'm hearing is that this is a new way of encouraging entrepreneurs. You're wanting women and people of color to get better chances mm -hmm. at getting the funding and the support that they need to mm -hmm. grow their business. Mm -hmm. And you do this in cohorts where people will get support during a period of time to learn how to collaborate, learn how to promote, learn how to do business, get coached. And we have a cohort here today. Carolyn Carunda, who is the CEO of 26 Letters. Tell me about what Lunar Startups has been supporting, how it's been supporting you. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having us here. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Um, so I think for me, when I first heard of Lunar Startups from Danielle initially, I just thought it was really interesting to have a programming that focused on just giving entrepreneurs the space to learn, right? So most programs run three months or something like that, and it's basically a sprint. And then they push you out into the world, and they tell you, now go ahead and you know be great and do all the things. Um, Which feels like a baby bird that's basically being kicked out with maybe not wings com completely yeah. formed yet. <laughs> well, exactly. And so, and actually even more than that, right? Let's say you go in the program and all of a sudden everyone is telling you, you have to fly in four weeks and then you have to cross the ocean in eight weeks. And, you uh -huh. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think the focus on um, the ability to just focus on your business for a year with all of this built-in support felt very much 
in line to, I think, how real businesses are, which is that they take time. They take a building up of, like, um, the muscles to be consistent. And all that stuff is very much dependent on, you know, having more time, more support, more ongoing relationships versus, you know, that sprint type of feeling. So that in itself was just my initial draw to it, just that opportunity to focus. Um, But I was also really interested in just having a group of people that I would be accountable to. You know, when you're an entrepreneur and you have a really small team or if you're a solo founder, um, you need to find a way to be held accountable for the stuff that you're saying you're going to do. Um, And you need a place to to bounce off ideas. And sometimes you need a space where you don't feel like you're the only person. And so I think having that was something that was really great. And even more so in Lunar, having those other co-founders or those other founders of businesses uh, represent a more diverse group of people was really, really amazing and had an incredibly unexpected outcome for me um, to just look across the table and see other people of color, other women, other men, other folks who you know have different backgrounds made me feel like I'm not an oddball in this situation. I'm very much part of sort of the normative structure of the of the building. Like we're all here because we all belong, right? Um, and I think that it forces you to like step up your game in a different way, right? Like you're really showing up to um, to continue to be part of this fabric that um, that is just representative of of all the entrepreneurs that we can have here in the Twin Cities. Sounds very much like co-creation. There there's a lot of learning as you co-create. Absolutely. And that's why we call ourselves a new model for incubation. So I think Caroline touched on one of the most critical components of of what this experience is really about. It doesn't matter what you look like or who you are or how old you are. Entrepreneurship is hard. And so it's really important to have a network of people around you that are helping to uh, bounce ideas off of you uh, or, or to be able to bounce ideas off of, to hold a mirror up and say, you know, nope, you're great. You have this awesome idea. You're connected to the customers. You can do this. Or let me open this door for you to someone else who might be a new customer or a new connection. And so the genesis behind what we're trying to do is really, about that. And co-creation is at the, at the core of it. Both Jeff and I have backgrounds in human-centered design and design thinking. And that's been driving a lot of the activities that we have done with this first cohort as a new program. What are the best practices and things that we can borrow from other accelerators and what doesn't work? Mm-hmm. So for example, our program, every component of the design itself is really thinking, uh, starting with inclusion and making sure that more people and more ideas can be at the table. So an example of that, we don't host programming during daycare pickup because we know predominantly women are responsible for childcare in this country. Similarly, we don't require that founders have, you know, are full-time from like the nine-to-five perspective on their uh, companies, which is really unique in this broader ecosystem. We understand that if you're a parent and you've got kids and you have financial responsibility, it might not be appropriate for you to quit your daytime job and go all in on your startup. There mm-hmm. might be more of a crossfade situation. So how do we host programming that can include those professionals in the experience. And we do that over the lunch hour. So all of our uh, programming that we host is from 12 to 2. We provide lunch so that they don't have to worry about it. Uh, If they have a full-time job, they don't have to take a half day of PTO or a full day of PTO, um, but instead can communicate to their employers, hey, I'm going to take a little bit longer lunchtime. Here's what I'm doing. Um, And it just makes for a better environment where people don't have those same stressors driving to what extent they can participate or not. 
I'm struck by your example in terms of you have to fly out of the nest and then in four weeks and then in eight weeks you have to cross the ocean. There is a sense even in incubators that there's a push for seeing results. And it doesn't sound like that you are insisting on results. You're insisting on discovery. And and what does that mean in, in order to launch what you want to do to be successful? Am I reading that or is there another way of putting it that makes it um, no, I resonate? Think that's and I, I think it's a both and. Uh-huh. I think we do need to have metrics. We do need to have accountability. We do need to be thinking, mm-hmm. you know, what's your revenue month one versus month 12? Are mm-hmm. you making traction? Are you building out uh, a plan? You know, a lot of what we're doing is the wisdom of the direction that these entrepreneurs need to go exists inside of them. It's mm-hmm. a matter of how do we help them to get all of the brilliance in their head out and into an actionable plan. So Jeff spends a lot of his time doing strategic planning with the cohorts or just saying, okay, week one, what does it look like? Week two, what does it look like? And you were saying that earlier that you do these one-on-ones and that they're fun. <laughs> yeah. But but you, it sounds like you're, there's also, you know, a message underlying this of support so that you can be successful. Sure. Do you have a sense of, of what it takes to be successful? How do you what are the metrics that you use uh, for success? Is it monetary or is there other aspects that are important too in measuring success? I think those metrics are very important, such as revenue, um, how many customers they're acquiring per month, how many customers have the companies acquired in the last six months. But when we consider results, not to use the word results too much, but results are the natural results of when people feel valued because they're already valuable. And so when, we, when we're talking about women and people of color, oftentimes there's an image that comes into people's minds that these are people that may not be as talented or all of those things that come to mind. But we're working with highly talented individuals who, if we project their companies, uh, part of we have a really uh, strenuous, not, not necessarily strenuous, but we have a really intentional acceptance process to make sure that we have the right people and the right talent. And so we're working already with people like Caroline Karanja, who perhaps without Lunar Startups, she would still be amazing. She would still be great. Her company would still be a billion-dollar company. But we believe that in one year, we might help her to get to a place where it would take three years. Mm -hmm. And so we're just accelerating that process. And we really believe that the environment that we create, along with providing the right tools and resources, will get to those results. And so our job is really to bring that out. Mm -hmm. One of the other, I think, interesting outcomes that we're looking at and um, I hope Caroline's okay with me talking about this specific story. Uh, when she started the program, she identified as a business owner. Um, and a big part of what we've been trying to work with her on is the confidence of saying, you are an entrepreneur, you are a CEO, you are a founder. And that's intentional and on purpose because we see her as a valuable contributing person in our broader ecosystem. She's a technologist. She's a woman of color. She's all of these various different identities. And she's the chief executive officer. She's the chief executive (laughs) officer, right? Like this is her intelligence, Uh, you know, her her hard work and determination that she's had over the past several years. And in the broader ecosystem, you'll see people identifying like a CEO and a founder, you know, Without having really put the receipt, you know, the work behind <laughs> they like it. They the don't title. have the receipts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so when you look across the board, 70% of women who are starting companies don't identify as founder or entrepreneur. They say business owner. 
And we think that there are detrimental impacts into their opportunities that they have just by not opting in and by having... And shifting the language. Exactly. And so shifting that, the concept. That and shifting shift the ownership. That mindset. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, because the words, the words are important and context matters. And the words founder and entrepreneur in our ecosystem allow you a lot more opportunities just by opting in and calling yourself those things. Well, I'm so excited Lunar at Startups is here today. And in our next segment that's coming up in just a bit, we'll be learning more about what this cohort system means uh, and the future of what you see for Lunar Startups. So thank you for joining us here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And stay with us in just a, just a little while. Come back and hear about what is a cohort at the Lunar Startups. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and today we're talking about Lunar Startups. It is a wonderful organization that connects their startups to customers and capital, accelerating their achievement of key business milestones, growth, and success. So on Connections Radio Show, we love to talk about ideas that matter, and this is a wonderful idea, very innovative, uh, groundbreaking, changing the way that we look at doing startups. And we've got some terrific folks that are, are sharing with us their vision and how, how this all works. We have Danielle Steer, who is the managing director. We have Jeff Aggie, uh, who is the program manager, and Caroline Karanja, who is the CEO of 26 Letters. Um, what I'd like to start with is, Caroline, share with me what you get out of this experience. We were talking in the first segment about results and things that make this different. Um, you were mentioning on break some of the things that are powerful for you that this experience has brought to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, as Danielle mentioned, I think when I first started this journey, and part of it is I never really intentionally went out to start a company. It's just something that came together. Um, so in terms of like how I would describe myself, I very much stayed away from the CEO title, uh, in part because I see a lot of people using it. Um, and so I, I didn't really want to pick it up until I felt like I had really earned it and deserved it. Um, but I think as part of the process of participating in Lunar Startups, you know, you know, we talked about results. And I think part of that, of course, is looking at, you know, how is your revenue growing, customers, is all of these really technical things that go towards how to make sure that your business is, that you have metrics to measure your business. Um, but I think a big part of this program is just literally about building yourself up and uh, building sort of the the personal experiences around like what it means to be a founder, what it means to be a CEO, what it means to run a business. Um, and I think a lot of that just over the last year has been me sort of coming to terms with that language, especially the CEO title, it has been me building up a self-confidence around what it means to run this business. Um, and a lot of that has been seeing other people in my cohort do the same thing. Um, a lot of that has actually been being able to kind of benchmark myself uh, against other um, businesses and seeing, you know, sort of how we fare off. And, and even though, you know, again, looking at numbers is a really great way of seeing how you're growing. I think a lot of that, too, is just about um, understanding sort of a personal journey and gaining that self-confidence. And that's a big, big part of this programming, at least it has been for me. Danielle, we talked earlier about why this is important. Um, women aren't getting funding. People of color aren't getting funding in, in startups. So 
if you can, do you have some statistics, Hania? If not, I've got yeah, some here. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, trust me. I could go on and on there about statistics. Um, so I think when we look at, from the venture capital space, which in reality is a pretty small segment, but gets the most airtime in yeah. regards to the importance in the startup space, um, women get 2% of venture capital and people of color and African-Americans specifically and Latinx founders get less than 1%. Um, when you look at the statistics of African-American women, they have received since 2009 0.000006% of all venture capital. Um, so there's kind of this like capital access gap that's happening. And it's not necessarily because we don't have enough talent. And a lot of times people say it's the pipeline. There's not enough people building mm -hmm. businesses. Um, but there's a lot of more complexity behind it. Women start their businesses with half the capital of their male counterparts. Um, the Center for Global Policy recently stated that there is $300 billion and 9 million jobs missing from our economy by not supporting minority-owned businesses. So there's all these kind of negative deficit-based stats, but we can look at it from the other side. This is an opportunity. Uh, companies that have diverse, gender-diverse founding teams and ethnically diverse founding teams perform statistically better than the median average. This is a business opportunity. There is money on the table. It's a business it's, it is, case, yes. Yeah. This, you know, we we joke that we don't take charity, we take PayPal because mm -hmm. these are people that are wanting to grow businesses to make money and to do well in their communities. Um, but they also happen to identify in communities that have historically only been thought of as, you know, philanthropic in their efforts. Mm -hmm. um, but we're really looking at like, what are those scalable, great opportunities? Who's not only the next unicorn that's going to 10x their company, but who's going to five or six X because that's... That matters too. Um, and the, those are kind of some of the reasons why that we're really interested in doing this. The, the other thing that we see is, I mentioned this earlier, the importance of social capital. So this longstanding saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And so when we look at the data of the companies that receive funding or that get access to new customers or new opportunities, a lot of times it's Ivy League. 85% of venture capital goes to three states, New York, uh, Massachusetts, and California. So those of us in the missing middle are kind of already starting from behind a little bit. Um, so how do we increase access to, to uh, new networks of people that can help open doors? Um, and how do we help those networks better understand what they truly need to be doing to support entrepreneurs and, and elevating, you know, raising all boats, if you will? So Jeff... Tell me about cohorts. What does that mean? And tell me how cohort one, cohort two, and <laughs> possibly cohort three, uh, how does that all work? So we launched our inaugural cohort, cohort one, last September. And it was six companies of which Caroline Caranja and 26 Letters is a part of. Cohort one, we'd like to say this has been the truest example of co-creation, um, what the programming would look like, really figuring out from the founders what what best, how they want the space to be. Like, for example, we have a lunch that's provided uh, during the programming because Cohort One said, you know, we think lunch is a really great part. And many of the cultures represented by our founders, breaking bread is a very important aspect of building community and building relationships. So that's part of our program. Whereas Cohort Two, um, still a lot of co-creation, but we took a lot of the learnings that we've learned from Cohort 1 and systematized it a bit more. So also still keeping it human-centered. So at Lunar, we reject the idea that you have to either be human-centered or be focused on results or be focused on tools. So we've combined both that human-centered aspect of things as well as 
how do we curate excellence through programming? And so what that looks like is the first six months of the program is heavily based in programming. So we have Lunch and Learns where we bring experts to help cohort companies figure out their pricing structure, their business model, how to best market, um, how to work with influencers. And that's for the first six months. And uh, we do it a little differently than we've talked about this before than other accelerators and incubators that, first of all, is not six months long. Mm -hmm. But after those six months, we have an off-ramp period of six months where there isn't that much program. So cohort companies still have access to our one-on-ones and the lunch and learns with each other. But now it's more kind of you're a little bit out of the nest, to use the example that we talked about mm-hmm. earlier, but we're still helping to see what that flight— You're fluttering around. <laughs> exactly. <We're, laughs> you can still we're, come home. <laughs> you can still come home whenever, whenever you like. Uh, and so also there's a $5,000 technology reimbursement fund that a lot of our founders have used to go to New York to uh, go uh, meet with a VC or use it to travel um, to Texas at a conference, and that conference provides more customers. So mm-hmm. having that $5,000 stipend, while it's not the number that we would like for it to be, it's mm-hmm. so useful for our cohort companies. And then having access to technology and having access to our space, uh, Lunar Startups being a program of NPR, having this a space that's conducive to um, podcasting. So Companies can produce their own podcasting for free in our space. And there's one podcast I'd like to plug, Behave, (laughs) (laughs) from from, uh, one of our cohort companies. And so um, the one-year program is heavily rooted in uh, having those access to experts, but also creating that space and that environment, that culture where growth can take place. And I also want to plug your website, which is lunarstartups.org. Check it out. Uh, You may be interested or you may know someone who's interested and you should learn about it. So stick with us. In our next segment, we're going to learn more about some of those companies and what cool things that they're doing. So thank you for being part of AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota here on Connections Radio Show. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. Lori Fitz, your host. And today we've got a very cool show. We're talking about Lunar Startups. And Lunar Startups is a very innovative concept to fund women and people of color with capital to do things, start businesses, be CEOs, um, to accelerate your progress by being in a cohort. And we have three delightful guests, Danielle Steer, who is the managing director. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. So glad you're here. We have Jeff Adji, who is the program manager. Glad to be here. That, well, I'm glad you're here. And uh, a good coach, good support <laughs> to all of those delightful cohorts. And then we've got a cohort, Caroline Karanja, who is the CEO of 26 Letters. Hey. Caroline, tell me about 26 Letters. What is that? Yeah. So 26 Letters, the name comes from um, just thinking about how powerful language is. Um, and how we can use it to build inclusion or to build exclusion, right? And so we work with organizations to put some data in action behind their diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Um, We work in the public sector, which includes education. We work in the nonprofit sector, and we also work uh, in corporate spaces. Uh, And essentially, the process is, um, is fairly straightforward. What we do is we gather information about people's experiences, We then use that information to create action plans to increase belonging and inclusion within that organization in a way that's really specific. So rather than looking at diversity and inclusion as this really big thing to solve for, we, you know, really narrow it down and say, you know, 
uh, for example, you know, women within your marketing department are really struggling in this specific thing. And here's an action plan for how to tackle that very specific um, aspect of your organization. And so we've seen that as a really great way of having more tangible results um, and uh, putting, again, some real data behind the DEI work. So do you do interviews and surveys? Yeah, so we mostly do service. We do surveys. We do some focus groups as well. Um, and then we also offer learning content so folks can just, you know, grow personally around some of these things. So we offer learning content around, you know, microaggressions, around understanding race, understanding cultural identity. Um, so just folks who generally are interested in getting better knowledge around who they are and sort of not who they are, but sort of socialization process and how that can impact their view of the world. Um, we offer that for individuals as well. Sounds like unconscious bias a little bit at the end there. Unconscious bias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and so when you do these surveys, is it open-ended and then you do content analysis to help find out what the, the issues are? How do you tease out the issue? Yeah, so it's mostly um, quantitative. And then the focus groups, those allow us to do more of that sort of word analysis piece. But we found that because we're a third party, people are a lot more honest about their experiences. And usually that's a really great place to kick things off, right? Mm -hmm. So we do the survey. We're able to put some action plans in place right away. And then our follow-up is then gathering sort of more of that narrative um, experience or that narrative way of collecting um, experiences from people. My guess is the hard part is gaining the trust and having people believe it's going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yes, that definitely is. So, uh, you know, one of our big um, pushes is that whenever we engage with organizations, we ask for action as soon as possible. Um, So we are both making a commitment not only to them, but also they're making one to their employees that once they get the results, that they'll at least initiate an action plan right away. Oftentimes, we know that a lot of these surveys kind of go unheard, right? People fill them out, and then a year later, they're asked to fill out the same exact thing. Um, that's not how 26 Letters works. You go through the survey process. We give the organizations an action plan to implement. Um, and I think that that builds a lot of sense of like, okay, we're actually going to do something about this. Have you had some success stories? We have, yes. Um, trying to think of, of which ones I could share. So uh, working in education, we've had some success stories around teachers uh, gaining more confidence about um, understanding how they show up in the classroom and how to build the cultural competence they need in order to improve their students' outcomes. And we can track that from both a data perspective, um, but also, again, anecdotes of just folks telling us um, that they can see those changes. Uh, we've also been able to increase um the, the sense of community within organizations that have more diverse employees in general. Um, we've also just generally been able to kind of gauge what it means for an organization to put together a diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative that doesn't just involve bringing in more women and more mm-hmm. people of color, but how do you actually create that space that's conducive to that to begin with? So people want to stay mm-hmm. and they want to grow. Yes. And that there is a, a sense of belonging and that their full selves can be brought to work. Yes. So we start with a focus on how do we retain, how do we make sure that the place is a place where you want to belong, right? Mm-hmm. Before we say, let's go out and, you know, figure out how to recruit right. more and more people. Like, let's Let's fix. Let's sweep the house first before exactly. we go inviting people. Well, I have another question. You you mentioned cultural competence. So, do you have um, do you teach cultural intelligence, or do you refer people to for ways to learn about different cultures? How how does that get integrated? 
Yeah, so our programming offers individual um, learning plans. Mm -hmm. And so once, uh, you know, folks go through our, it's a really brief assessment, um, that will kind of gauge them where they are within our programming. We then create personalized um, plans where we do refer them to like different things that they can um, reach out to in order to kind of increase their own cultural competence in a varying of different ways. And I'm probably asking a question that pushes it even a little further. And you may or may not have a question for this, uh, answer for this. But if it's tied to a business plan, if something is like they're reaching out to the Latino community mm -hmm. and they know that uh, an individual may need to have more background and experience in the Latino community for the business results as well so that they can connect and be able to support and be able to grow that business. Is that part of it as well or is it more focused on um, creating the culture within the, the business that helps people stay? Yeah, definitely a little bit of both. But okay. our first focus on is just um, how do we create an organization that in which Latinx folks would feel welcomed right. before we even get to the part of like how do you sell reach out to customers? Yes. Got it. Mm -hmm. Got it. And that's important. And and the more you have a, a variety of cultures involved, as you were saying in our first segment, uh, makes a stronger uh, business, uh, stronger perspectives, multicultural uh, viewpoints that eventually will be able to tie back to communities in very powerful ways. Yeah. And better solutions, right? Yeah. So they're businesses that are solving problems for the majority of us mm. as opposed to just some of us. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me about some of the other cohorts. We are rich with awesome talent. And so in our first cohort, peers with Caroline include uh, Take 12, which is a marketplace changing the way we look at parenthood at large. We've got Clutch SOS, which is a personal safety uh, app. Monocat Data, which is looking at workflow as a service for the creative industry, as well as what is the intersection of creativity and technology? DuJour, which is a platform that we are using regularly for events management, and I'll tell you more about how shortly. And then Asia, which is a sports hijab company looking at how do we increase the number of Muslim girls that are participating in sports um, and eventually leading to the boardroom for, for how we're getting those uh, professionals included. Um, so all six of these companies are going to be featured at our first annual Undemo Day event on September 30th at the Palace Theater for from 6 to 8 p.m. Each of these founders will be sharing more about their experience, their companies, and looking to authentically and genuinely connect with our community to say, here's what we need from you, and here's how you can help us be more successful, or here's how you can be a customer. So is this something that people can sign up for? Absolutely. We have tickets are free. Registration's free. You can learn more at our website at www.lunarstartups.org. And you, you're talking about the first mm -hmm. cohort and celebrating their their yeah. graduation day party, but they're not going to be completely kicked out. They get to flutter. You, you're going to have some off ramping, but you've also got a second cohort that's starting or has started. So as we talked about, the cohort programming is one year. Cohort uh, one is graduating, but cohort two is in their six-month uh, period oh, of it. Okay. But even with cohort one, even though they're graduating, we still have an alumni experience where they can still be connected and still have access to the Global Accelerator Network, which has so many discounts on so many things, and still have access to where they could come by the office. But with cohort two, we're six months into cohort two getting ready to finalize programming, and they're getting uh, ready to head into the six-month season of a little bit of the offer up that we're talking about. Now, for cohort three, is that something that you apply for? And yep. are, are applications open? We're super excited for cohort three, <laughs> which will begin in March. Uh, be on the lookout for uh, November 
for applications to open for cohort three. What are some of the questions that you ask on the application? <laughs> uh, some of, <laughs> we ask some. Um, some of the questions are one of the key questions that we ask for as we relate to belongingness is how do you uh, how do you work with diversity and inclusion within your company? We ask the traditional questions about market size. On we ask traditional questions about revenue, how much, how many customers do you have, how many users do you have. Generally, what does your business do? What problems are you solving? What business problems are you solving? How does those the business problems impact the greater issues that we have in our world? So we have the traditional questions that a VC would ask, but then we also have those belonging questions that speaks to the kind of culture that we want to cultivate at Lunar, and we want you to continue to contribute as a cohort member. When you first thought about getting this started, I know you're more interested in the future than the past. Um, and there are all these good reasons of why it's important. Um, but did you have a hope of what you wanted to see, you know, two years, five years, ten years down the line when you first started this company? What was that vision? You know, why was – why did uh, lunar startups need to have – this opportunity to grow. Absolutely. So I think um, when all of us came to the table and said, you know, let's create something that's elevating more people and more ideas, uh, originally it was the brainchild of Knight Foundation, which is a national foundation, foundation investing in entrepreneurship, arts, and journalism. They are located in St. Paul, and they said, we want to elevate more, uh, in their words, minority-owned businesses here locally. Uh, at the same time, Osborne 370 was coming to fruition, which is a really cool innovation hub, formerly the Equilab headquarters. And Minnesota Public Radio, American Public Media said, you know, we need to be think about we need to be thinking about expanding our audiences and how are we serving our community and getting more sources to the table. So the three of those organizations came together and said, let's launch something cool. And that's kind of like the genesis behind Lunar Startups. Um, those of us, uh, Melissa Colsing, the founder of Recovery, formerly Minnesota Cup, and working with me at Lunar, we had been in the ecosystem for over you know 10 combined years looking at, okay, who's not getting the support? What's the missing middle? What stage companies have a lot of support? What stage companies don't? And then how do we really curate something that's super specific to the target populations we're trying to serve? Um, and so that's kind of how it got started. And then, as Jeff mentioned, we've used this human-centered design approach to co-create with these cohort companies what's going to be maximally effective for them in terms of getting them to this next phase. And, you know, 20 years from now, um, we want to see the needle move on inclusion mm -hmm. in who gets access to capital, who gets access to opportunity, the number of companies that um, are reaching, you know, that Fortune 500 list that have diverse CEO and diverse uh, boards, diverse boards. That's a gender good balance. Top. Gender balance is a great topic <laughs> right now. Um, among many other components of how we think about diversity, you know, it's it's easy to talk about gender and race, you know, relatively speaking, I guess mm -hmm. I should say. Um, but there are so many different ways that we can talk about multiple ways yes. of being and doing, and how do we make space for more of those places. And we're looking towards a future where that's included and people can raise their hands and participate in something and, and know where to go. Sometimes there's a, how do I navigate this really complex system? Um, so we also participate with a number of other ecosystems, uh, ecosystem partners here locally thinking through the Forge North initiative. Mm -hmm. How do we make this a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem for everyone? And with that... We'll end this segment. That's a perfect ending. <laughs> and when we come back for our fourth segment, um, we're going to talk about some cool events. In addition to, we'll talk a little bit more about the celebration, um, a free party 
and and meet these tremendous entrepreneurs and their six businesses and ways that we can connect with them and ways that they offer some ideas for us to think about. So stay with us and hear more about Lunar Startups. I'm going to give their website one more time. That's lunarstartups.org. So stay tuned. Stay connected. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. We've been talking about Lunar Startups, uh, a great organization that is working with entrepreneurs with a dedicated focus on supporting women and people of color. And that has so much power to it in a a world where we are not funding and we are not supporting and we are not seeing uh, the opportunity for business success. And they have found an ecosystem that is co-created, human-centered, and results-oriented to make it work. My guests today include Danielle Steer, who is the managing director. We have Jeff Aggie, who is the program manager, and Caroline Karenja, Caroline Karenja, who is the CEO of 26 Letters. We've learned uh, about how this started, uh, the various cohort groups, um, but the lived reality. I, I want to dig a little deeper into that. And, and Jeff, I'd, I'd love to have you share what it means to you to be part of Lunar Startups and what that has done for you in looking at um, feeling belonging. Sure. Um, I was actually reading this book, a uh, New York Times bestseller called Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. And he cited a Harvard study that looked at 200 of the top companies over the past 10 years and found that companies with a strong culture increased their net net income by 765%. So when I think of me who identifies as a black man, um, originally from Haiti, when I think about culture, oftentimes it doesn't include people who look like me and being part of those organizational cultures. And for me, Lunar represents a living embody of what co-creation looks like. Not that we always have it right, but we try really hard. And so for me, I know that I could show up as myself. And if there's ever a time when that's a problem, we can have a conversation about that. And it's a safe place to have that conversation. It's a safe place where we can challenge one another. As I think about cohort company founders and what I think, what we hope that we're building and what some have said is that people, we don't have to worry about showing up as a black person or showing up as a woman or how do I show up in the cultural space, we could just focus on our business because we know that that's celebrated. And for me, I think that as we were talking earlier about do we focus on results? No, we measure results, but it's not our focus because we understand it's a natural outcome of when people feel belonging. And so for me, it's being able to show up as myself and be my best self and also understand that um, creating that culture of belongingness is not a destination, it's a journey. And as we're on that journey, we're willing to correct in ways if we don't have it right. And we can have those conversations about how to get it right. And I think that for me, that's what I appreciate most about working at Lunar and being able to work with our cohort companies. Caroline, you mentioned something similar at the beginning of our last segment about how when you when you go, it's, it's almost like an, an exhale of like, oh, my people are here. <laughs> I don't have to worry about one way or another. It's just there's a different there's a different sensibility. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think the easiest way to describe it is um, if you are so in, in high school, I took Spanish. I think mm-hmm. I remember specifically. You know, your teacher asks you something in Spanish. You have to translate it in your mind yes. in English, and then answer it in English, and then translate it on the way back out. 
And that's what it feels like when you're in a space where you know you don't belong, right? Everything you do is second, you feel like you are second guessing yourself. There's layers before you even get to the thing it is that you're trying to get to. And so for me, you know, running a business, if I have to go through like multiple layers of like, oh, I have to go to office and like worry about potential microaggressions Mm -hmm. or like just feeling like that place isn't really a place that I even should be, then that is like 10 more things I have to add on to my plate in addition to actually doing the thing that I went there to do, right? And that's exactly what 26 Letters is, you know, trying to solve for, is how do we remove those feelings? How do we, like, address from both a systematic and a personnel perspective um, some of those barriers that keep people from being able to get to the thing it is that they need to do? How does it? How do we address the things that keep people from being the most innovative, Then that keep people's voice from even being heard, right? How many times have we heard women say, I just said that same thing, mm-hmm. but like, John repeated it for some reason. It's validated. John gets all of it, yeah. Right. So, um, so and I John think, gets the credit. Great yeah. idea, John. And then John gets the promotion, <laughs> yeah. right? So it, it just sort of layers up. Um, and I think Lunar creates a space where, you know, I'm, there's not those multiple layers. I literally show up. I do the thing that I need to do, and I feel so much more relaxed. My brain is in a place where it can really just sort of thrive, and, and I can do the thing it is that I need to do without having to worry about those multiple translations. Well, I think you're doing wonderful work. I've loved hearing about your program and what you're doing. It's very exciting. And I also am very excited about events coming up. And so I'm going to just throw it to you, Danielle. Tell us about all the things coming up. There's a ton going on in the Twin Cities at large. We are event heavy, to say the least, in the entrepreneurial community. But we're really honored to have quite a few things coming up. So as I mentioned at our website, www.lunarstartups.org, you can see all of the things that we're doing here. But first and foremost is the celebration of big ideas and our first annual Undemo Day events featuring Caroline and five other companies on September 30th at the Palace Theater. Uh, In addition, we're also going to be launching a digital accelerator experience. So for people who maybe don't yet have the customers or the clicks or the capital and are ready for Lunar, we want to help you get ready. And so Jeff will be launching that program in October. Uh, Our cohort three for entrepreneurs that are interested in being a part of a community that is dedicated to their support will The applications for that program will be launching in November with the cohort start in March. Uh, And then we also have a number of other events in the Twin Cities during Twin City Startup Week, October 9th through the 16th, including an event with uh, Jeff featuring Jeff here called Is an Accelerator Right for You? And we're partnering up with our friends at Generator to talk about what does it really mean to be in an accelerator? How do you figure out uh, which accelerators might be right for you and what What are the components that you need to think about in terms of that? And then, of course, Caroline has a really important event coming up in October as well. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we also run an organization called Hack the Gap, which is an all-women and non-binary individual hackathon. Get together for a weekend, build cool things. Um, Winners get prizes, cash prizes. Uh, But that'll be on October 5th and 6th. And then it's also the demos for those will be open to the public on the 6th. So you can go to hackthegap.com to sign up and to just get more information. If listeners are interested in learning more, they can go to our websites. They can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, either 26 Letters, Hack the Gap, or Lunar Startups. Uh, We're posting lots and lots of things about what's happening in the community. If you want to dig into some of the stats we talked about, inclusion, and uh, what the opportunities are, or if you want to mentor or get involved. Most importantly, the greatest thing you can be doing for startups in our community is becoming a customer. So if you're listening to this show and you find out about a new startup and you think there might be an opportunity, being a customer of an early 
early stage company is the greatest way that you can contribute in more than mentorship, more than time, more than doors opening. Um, PayPal. PayPal. <laughs> it makes all the difference in the world. Um, but if nothing else, send us a tweet, share the message, tell people what we're doing. And I hope you'll consider going on September 30th to this great event. You can also find out more information about that on the website. And uh, we're also going to be having ads on our Saturday show. So listen on the Saturday shows for the next four weeks and you'll hear all about it. So thank you for being part of us today. We love Lunar Startups. And a big shout out to all the great work that you do. Thank you for having us. Thank you.